We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. Make sure to subscribe below if you have not already. It is Friday. You know what that means. I am joined by the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Wall sixty eight. Mike, it is almost the new year. I hope your holiday is treating you well. What is new? What is up? How are you doing? Andy, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, in the middle of a great holiday season, obviously, this is uh, it's been it was been weird transitioning from not playing ball because you you really don't take holidays, you know, at least winter holidays when you're playing ball. And I guess to some extent, we, none of us do now. But it's a uh, it's it's nice to be home for Christmas every once in a while. I can certainly imagine. I'm sure like I can't even imagine the the craziness of a NFL player and like how just the different dynamic of going from nonstop in football season. And then obviously you're still working in the off season too, but just two totally different times of year for you guys. And then now when you're you know not playing anymore, just a totally different dynamic there too. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that a lot of guys miss is the schedule. Um, and just and, and having that continuity, continuity throughout the entire season of understanding where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. That's that's things. That's something certainly I think a lot of players struggle with when they when they get out. But uh, I happen to love it. I, I have I like I like setting schedules. We just set our own, uh, which which makes life a little bit smoother. The the best thing in the world is is not having to answer to somebody else. So um, except for my wife, I suppose. So I, I'll put a caveat on that. Uh, I can only imagine like. You, I'm sure you go from playing, you know, peewee football, middle school, high school, college pros uh, every year in fall, winter, basically through your entire life. And all of a sudden a switch flips and you're just like, all right, don't have that anymore. Yeah, it was. Well, I was a, I was a multi-sport guy and I didn't play football until high school, actually. But gotcha. I, I get your the sentiment is, is, is correct. You're always used to doing something. And I'll tell you what's crazy now is 
I have two, I have two kids, a, a daughter and a son that are both competitive soccer players. And so we're traveling. We've talked about they're traveling all the time and whatnot, but you'd have this, you just kind of expect on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're going to be going here on Friday and Saturday. You're either going one of these four places in different parts of the state, depending on what you're doing. You might have to fly somewhere else. And to not even to not have that for like three weeks is we all kind of, I mean, we enjoy it, but we all do sit around going, Oh gosh, well, what do we do with our time? Now? It's like, what is everybody, how does the rest of the world live if they're not going to all these silly practices all the time? So it's no, a different uh, world. It's just like anything else, I suppose. Our oldest has had a little bit more energy lately and, uh, you know, running around the house and stuff. And it's like, well, he didn't have soccer. He didn't have football. He didn't have gymnastics. He didn't have any of this stuff. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. He's going to have a little extra energy, I guess. But all right, let's talk some football. I want to start uh, broader. I want to start with the NFL, a couple of newsworthy items that I wanted to get your opinion on. First is the announcement by J.J. Watt that he is retiring. One of the, in my opinion, all-time greats, uh, certainly one of the, the best players of over the last a decade or so. Um, his career winds down, comes to an end. Just your thoughts on his play, his dominance, and uh, you know the NFL without J.J. Watt. Yeah, I think on the field, um, J.J. Watt is in a class with the all-time, all-time greats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Reggie Whites, the Lawrence Taylors, the Aaron Donalds. Um, he's in that, to me, he's in that class. He was unblockable for a number of years when he was playing with the Texans. Really, really fun to watch on the field. Um, I just appreciated that he was so relentless from playing and play out. We did a study in, I want to say 2015 or 16 with the Dolphins, and they were they were basically trying to figure out how many snaps a defensive lineman could play before their production went down. So let's say your production value on a scale of zero to one was a, on average was, or a, a, on a high level was a 0.6. After three or four snaps, everybody went down. The, all the average players in the National Football League, which are elite level players, and then from you know six to seven, everybody else. And then literally, JJ Watt was like two standard deviations away from literally at this time. Aaron Donald wasn't the guy yet. Right. He was two standard deviations away from everybody else in the league as far as he could stay out there and play at a higher level and be more productive for longer than anybody else on on, on any football team in the entire national football league, which to me was amazing. So it not only spoke to what his, you know, obviously physical traits are, but the amount of work that you have to put in to put yourself in that kind of condition from a technical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, a resiliency standpoint and a mental toughness standpoint. He's just, I think he was in a class by himself in the time that he played in the, when he was at the top. I agree. If, if I had to put a, a Mount Rushmore together I'm, of players that I've had the opportunity to watch in some capacity, I'd probably go, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and not in any specific order, but those four guys. And then um, you know, Derek Thomas was really special, too. Um, I don't think he always gets the credit that he deserves, but those would probably yeah. be my four, and I think Watt is deserving to be in that category. Yeah, he was phenomenal. I, I probably uh, – yeah, I forgot about Derek Thomas. He passed away early, unfortunately, but but those four are uh, – I don't know if there's a better four. You know, it's, you know what's so funny about that, too, is that you're talking about defensive linemen, and you know who most DBs and and linebackers are celebrated more, um, I think. But yep. when you really talk about do- just flat out who dominates who dominates in the National Football League, really really good defensive linemen dominate in the National Football League because they can get they can be involved in every play, runner pass. It doesn't matter. And we talk about all the time, Mike, of how like just the offensive line play. It's hard to find offensive linemen. And if you, you know, with all these, you know, insanely talented defensive linemen that you have to face week in and week out, your Kenny Clarks, your Quentin Williams, your or Leonard Williams, um, you know, 
Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, we can go on and on. Like uh, it is really, really tough to have to face those guys week in and week out. I think it's a really phenomenal defensive line class right now in the NFL. And, um, you know, we talk about it all the time, but it, it's a special group and it, it's, it's starting to get the credit it deserves for the, you know, defensive linemen tearing up games more and not, not just linebackers and corners, et cetera. Yeah. If, if, advanced stats have done anything positive, which I, I, I struggle to find anything that has really been positive about them. But if there's anything that's been done that is positive about advanced stats or next gen stats or PFF, it's that at least it does shine a light on the ability of defensive linemen to actually control the way the game's being played. Um, you talk about some, you know, some positions that have gone unnoticed until recent years. You know, I think of really two that stand out in my mind are defensive linemen, the ability to dominate a, a game on the defensive side of the ball. And, and then, I mean, honestly, you can see with Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase and guys like that showing up at teams or, or leaving teams and, and things changing, like the, the importance of receivers, really, really elite level receivers in the National Football League. I am I'm shocked that guard was not on your list. I thought guard was going to be coming for sure. I think it just goes without saying that we've been getting all the credit we deserve for, for decades. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the other uh, big one I wanted to talk about was the benching of Derek Carr. Obviously, some Green Bay Packer connotation here because uh, Devontae Adams wanted to leave Green Bay to go play with Derek Carr. Um, thoughts on his benching going with Garrett Stidham and just a really, really weird Raiders season. Yeah. Derek Carr to me was always a top 12 talent. Um, I, I don't know. He, God, it's just so tough because he's so talented and he's had a, he's had a bad year. He just hasn't had a good season. And it's funny how the narrative changes with him because he's had a bunch of different coaches, coordinators. He's gone through a bunch of garbage with the, with the Raiders and, and he's just been a professional through the whole thing. Josh McDaniels, um, for some reason, you know, earlier in the season, we were talking about how Josh McDaniels' offense isn't working, excuse me, and that, and how he has to make the adjustments for his players. And now all of a sudden, you know, obviously the, the, the Raiders have sided with Josh McDaniels are saying, okay, well, Derek Carr is the problem. So the narrative's changed and they get to bench him and they, you know, just do this whole thing. Obviously there's a, an issue with this contract and they release him, I think, within three days of the new year or the end of the season, then they can, they can save a ton of money in the cap. So, um, if I was Derek Carr personally, I would be I, I would be very sad because Devontae Adams just got there. Yep. And I would be very sad because this, I would like to play with one team my entire career. But I would get as far away from Josh McDaniels as possible and the Raiders organization as possible. Because really, I'm not going to say he's wasted his career, certainly, monetarily or even with performance on the field. But I could you could kind of close your eyes and see if he was with a really – if he was with, I don't know, uh, Kyle Shanahan. I, you, you can see that he probably has a couple of rings and looks really good and is probably going to the Hall of Fame. Like, he really is that kind of talent. He has that kind of ability. I, If you named any player in the NFL right now, I, I would probably have some sort of take on, like, who they are, what they could do, et cetera. I, I just can't formulate anything on Derek Carr. Like, he's just always been there. He's just kind of been the same guy. He's talented. He's just always been kind of middle of the pack. I, I just don't know what to make of him. And I, I like you said, I think – he has the talent to be super successful in this league. Um, he's had weapons, you know, I know, you know, Waller and, and, you know, um, uh, you know, just their, their receiver core in general has, has been a little bit. Renfro, and, yep, Renfro, yep. Yeah. That's, that's where I was going. Uh, Adams, he's had all year, but like he's had weapons for the most part of the course of his career. Jacobs has been awesome this year and it just, it never seems to get to the point where I always have the expectations for him going into the season I'm surprised. I, I get the salary cap connotation of it, which is why they're doing it a million percent. I'm still slightly surprised that they went in this direction, especially after going and trading for Devontae Adams. But man, it's just been such a weird career for him. It just shows you where the Raiders. I mean, it just we talk about organizations all the time. 
time, right? Some are bad. Raiders organization doesn't have their stuff together. Yeah. And what, what's what's crazy about you know you look at like you look at Carr and you think to yourself, I mean, we could do a whole psycho, psychological profile on why he why he does what he does. You know, why like why does he throw the checkdowns? Why does he why does he go for more? Why does he take more risk? Well, he's had like four different you know every every year it's something different. Every year you have a different problem. Every year you have to you know switch an offense. Every year you, now you have a, a completely new style of offense with. Listen, he had a lot of success the last four seasons. Like he wasn't bad under John Gruden. He was actually really good. Yeah. But now that you bring it, you bring in Josh McDaniel, all of a sudden he sucks. Like it, that's just the, the the frustrating part about football is sometimes people look at like look at things at the, as a result. So they go, well, that's just how that's not how it works. There's no reason that he has four good seasons and then all of a sudden isn't productive. Like he hasn't he hasn't fundamentally decided he doesn't want to play football now that his best friend's playing with him. He has best receiver in football. Like that doesn't make sense. So there's something else going on. Now you can make the argument, we're going to put our stock into Josh McDaniel. That's what we, that that's what we've paid for. And we're just going to go find somebody that works for him because this relationship doesn't work. That's, that's fair. But they yep. just call it what it is, right? Don't let's not say that he's fallen off or this or the other thing. Like that's not really what's happened. There is a problem. We talked about it earlier in the year. There's a problem with communication between those two as far as what the expectation is and what's actually happening are two different things, right? They're both smart guys. That just means there's a communication error, right, or an expectation error. So it's it's unfortunate, man. I, I For some reason, I was not a fan of his brother. I played with his brother in Carolina. The guy played more Xbox. He did study film. Not a fan at all. I'm a huge fan of, his, of the younger brother, man. I think he's just been an incredible pro. Yeah, I agree with you there on the second part. I hope he finds uh, somewhere we can land on his feet and have a successful career moving forward. Let's transition into some uh, Packers Dolphins review. What were some of your kind of key takeaways from this game and how Green Bay played overall? Well, it's a, it, it's a everybody said it, but it's a, it's a story of the turnover battle. And you know, we win the turnover battle, and, and Tua, it turns out, you know, had a concussion. We got he, he has just egregious turnovers in the second half. Can't even believe it. You know, now you look at the throws and you go, oh, yeah, well, probably should have known because they were awful. But um, it was really nice to see the way that the Packers fought through that game. And, I, you know, for me, you take a kind of the, the concussion thing away. There, there was a turning point in the game. It was it was in the second quarter. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, there, there was a series of plays. I think Jaron Reed had a sack, and then we had a great stop. I think it um, – I think it was Hollins had a great stop in the run game when he actually they they pulled the guard and he finally they finally did like same foot same shoulder strike goes underneath makes the play and then I think Preston had a sack on the next play mm-hmm. a couple you know series later Reed has the, the the fumble but that kind of demonstrated to Green Bay okay this is how we stop their best part of the running game we have to stop playing that box that awful box technique and giving them a ton of space which they were doing early in the game so we can stop the run we know that getting to a to move off of his spot and get into that second read is really difficult for him. When he scrambles, he's just throwing the ball out of bounds, throwing it away or, or throwing it to the Green Bay Packers, but he is not doing a great job of getting to a second and third reads. And then on offense, it was, you know, it's always good to see uh, when you're in a situation like that. And Aaron Rodgers is, it's just been a different year as far as what the expectations for as, as you know, regarding like the number of yards he's going to pass for. And is he going to have a three or four touchdown game? It just doesn't seem to be that kind of season, but they keep finding ways to, to score points. I still can't believe that you go into goal to go situations and you throw the ball four times in a row. I mean, I just, it, that part of it, I just don't think is going to last against good football teams, but they, you know, the last two weeks they've done it and they've kind of gotten lucky in my opinion as far as you know having some good breaks with that Mercedes Lewis touchdown and then obviously 
the week before with the third and six, and they had the they had the PI and got a got a fresh start and got to run AJ Dillon twice. I want to run through a couple things with you from a red zone offense standpoint because to me and and maybe you'll feel differently. I feel that the biggest reason that this red zone offense has fallen off from 2020 to 2021 to 2022, it's been a, a steady decline, has been the offensive line. I, I feel like in 2020, you had Bakhtiari, you know, prime Bakhtiari. You had Elton Jenkins playing great. You had Corey Lindsley playing amazing. Um, the right side obviously wasn't as good, but you've got your Billy Turners, your Rick Wagners. I thought the offensive line was tremendous in that 2020 season and allowed them to run inside. It allowed them to have play action. It allowed them to do a variety of different things, allow Rodgers to kind of dance around in the pocket a little bit more. I just don't think they have any like movers up front on the offensive line. And when it gets to some of those goal line situations, I don't think Green Bay has the faith that, and I don't think defenses are giving them credit that they can run the football um, with any sort of consistency inside those areas. I think their running game can be successful overall because of some of their athleticism and their scheme. Um, and we've seen that from time to time with Jones and Dylan. But I think when you get into those condensed spaces, when it's inside the five yard line and everyone's packed in there, I think Green Bay has the movers to really be physical in that part of the field. I think that makes them want to throw more. I think teams know they want to throw more. I think they just become a little bit too one dimensional. So that's my kind of theory and take on it. Feel free to poke holes in it as you will. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The tackles aren't dominant uh, by any means in the run game. Uh, certainly a step down from Bakhtiari and, and Billy Turner. You know, I know that we have different opinions on Billy, but Billy was a much more uh, powerful run blocker, and really? it's especially in combo blocks than, than Yash is at this point in his career. I think that is, that's very valid. Um, it's interesting to watch the league this year. Green Bay is is a copy, you know, that's a copycat league. Green Bay copies a lot of plays that other teams are running. You see the guard tackle pulls. You see the, you know, the the fullback leads from the from the hip top spot off the top, the tight end spot off the off the tackle. Um, there isn't just good old fashioned, you know, old school or spread them out six in the box. Let's run the ball or old school. Let's put you know Mercedes and, and get and Deguara and just pound the ball, run double doubles. Like we don't do that anymore. Teams just and a lot of teams aren't doing it. There's a there's a handful that are, 
but a lot of teams just aren't doing those old school plays where you can actually get those double teams to get moving. Uh, the only other thing I'd add to that is we don't have tight end production. And I know that Mercedes had that great catch down the line, but we don't have tight end production. If you want to think about, you know, you look from, from since the dawn of time in football, where does, where does your tight end count the most? I mean, Gronkowski counts the most in the red zone and they just don't have tight end production. I, I'm, I'm actually shocked this year. Um, I think Tunyon's like one of those guys I started out last year going, God, like just call him a slot receiver because he doesn't block. I love the way that he's approached this year. I love the way that he's put real effort into trying to become a more well-rounded player. And I don't, I'm, I'm actually shocked that they're not rewarding him with some more opportunities in the red zone. Yeah. They they need to figure out something for Tunyon because I was, I actually pointed that out earlier this week. Like, I don't, I don't think Tunyon has the, the juice and the separation that he did a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's just coming back from the ACL, but I also don't think the Packers are doing any favors to their tight ends in the passing game at all. I don't know how many times in a game you see that, you know, especially Tunyon go like three yards downfield and just turn around. <laughs> and like, that's yeah. like, that's the route. Like that, like, what are you supposed to kind of do in that situation that the, the linebackers just sitting on it? And I know part of it's just like what they're trying to design the play to do. And he's just kind of there to take space or whatever, but like, Man, I, it just doesn't seem that like they're doing but, the tight ends much favor. To your, so there's two things there that I, I completely agree with you, but there's two things there. One, you see every team in the league chipping out now, and what what everybody's figuring out is we want to chip out on the line of scrimmage or hipped off. We don't want to chip out on the tackles from back behind her because we don't know what's happening. So the tackle doesn't know what's happening. A lot of guys get chipped inside and get in the, the sack. So yeah. Tunyon chips out, and earlier in the season, he chips out, makes a couple passes. Everyone thinks, like, oh, this is wonderful. It's, no, it, it, it just got it, – it's as it's – lucky as anything else right yeah. but when you look at like mike mcdaniel's offense or the kyle shanahan offense that that we kind of envision that everyone wants to run mike jacecki is in the same boat like he's not catching any passes but guess what he does every time he's running across the field he's running wheel routes he's he's getting down the seam he's running those you know love of the game routes they're making him part of the offense even if it's to take away somebody else it's to take away a defender to open up a window for somebody else and so what you do when you only when when an offense only lets you just run the check down or only puts you three yards in front of the ball, you're not taking anybody away, right? There's no threat. So you're what you're doing is you're artificially taking away the middle of the field, right? For your own team. Yep. Because your linebackers aren't going to get sucked up on a three. They don't care. Catch the ball for three yards and get five. I, I could care less. But I, you're not going to draw me down, and therefore the middle of the field's not open anymore. So you're artificially hurting yourself when you do that. If if they wanted to do anything for him. Get him more involved by running seam routes, running running the wheel route, running crossers. Like just get him running to get people away, so you can open up the field for maybe some more explosive players. But doing what you're doing now, like we said, it's I don't know if it's benefiting anybody. Totally agreed. It seems almost detrimental at times. Could not agree more. I want to stick with that tight end position though, because I know this is a player that we've talked about before from a blocking standpoint, but. I just love talking about him anyway. And that's Mercedes Lewis. He had, of course, the big wheel route catch. He had the touchdown catch. Um, you know, it's, it's great that he's making an impact in those ways. But I just love watching this guy every single week. He had the block where he, you know, hits the defensive lineman and jars the defensive lineman inside and then mm -hmm. gets to the second level and then seals his man at the second level. I think it was a linebacker, but I could be wrong. Yep, it was. Um, and then you get the toss to the outside. I think Dylan picks up nice yardage on the play. But, like, just – just an absolute joy to watch in the blocking game every week. Yeah, he had a great same foot, same shoulder strike there. I think Tunyon ends up collecting the guy at the end of the first level, and he gets to the second. But he's been doing that his entire career. That's that's who his MO is. When I remember in, God, 2015, 2016, 
when he was playing for the Jaguars, I would literally make teach shapes for offensive linemen based on his stuff. I mean, he's that good. He's that good with his feet and hands. Um, he always has been. He just puts a ton of pride into it ever since he came out of UCLA. I think he found his niche early on. Um, obviously, big body guy. I just love what he brings to the game as far as professionalism. You can see he just has a detail for his craft. He has a, he has a passion for just kind of being the best at the basics of football. And, and you know, for all the, the young viewers out there or parents of, of young football players, like, just understand, like, Mercedes Lewis isn't special. He doesn't – there's nothing about he, – he's six foot seven. I mean, he's, he's a big guy, but he's not special. What makes him special is his attention to detail, his resilience, his mental toughness, and his, and his, and his passion and detail and the preparation that he, that he puts into the, the, his practice and, and, his, and his routines every single day that makes him the player that he is. He's had a 17-year career in the National Football League. He's made millions of dollars. He's had this wonderful life, and it's because he's just more of a professional than a lot of his peer group. And I, that, for that reason alone, I just have such a level of respect for him. Yeah, we, we talk about the Bakhtiaris, the Devontae Adams, people who just master their craft. And it's just, I guess, it's some of the stuff that I'm just a sucker for that, again, you just put on the tape every week and you can just circle guys like that and be like, it's just it's just fun to watch. And to me, I know like Mercedes Lewis isn't going to be a guy that, you know, people just pop on the tape every week to uh, be super excited about. It's not the sexiest. It's not the flashiest, but his attention to detail, his professionalism, how he goes about his job. And it's like, it's again, it, he he knows too, like, when you're a first round tight end, you know, you, you drafted in the first round, I believe as a, a tight end, mm -hmm. um, like you, you want the, the glory you want all. And again, he was a, a different tight end, like early in his career. He, he certainly had his time, you know, as a receiving tight end a, a little bit as well, but like, man, to transition your career to be the guy that was going to set everyone else up for success and make everyone else better because of the things that he is doing. It's just, it, you don't see that a ton. And to your, to your point, that, that attribute is what makes him special. Yeah, no doubt. He's a five-tool guy. He's old school. And, and you know, when I think of tight ends, I, I Travis Kelsey is a great football player. Like, I don't think – he's not a tight – to me, he's not a tight end. He plays slot receiver, right? And and that's not insulting. It's just and it's just where the position has gone, right? But Mercedes Lewis is, is the last of a dying breed. Um, thank God Mark Andrews is out there and, and George Kittle kind of resurging, like, the tight end, the true tight end position. But I just love that uh, guys like that are out there that just really enjoy the craft and – What's what's always crazy to me is when you put a decent athlete, when you treat when you treat a blocker like a real athlete, that's how powerful they can be. That's how successful they can be. Mercedes Lewis is just doing things as an athlete that offensive linemen are being told, you know, 40, 40 years of bad tradition, 40 years of bad technique because we're, we don't act like they're athletes. You, you put a real athlete there and, and give them some tools and they can have a lot of success. Totally agreed. I want to ask you about two other offensive linemen. Um, me and Aaron Rodgers have a disagreement and I need you mm -hmm. to be the, the, the tiebreaker. So, mm -hmm. um, Aaron Rodgers came out yesterday or two days ago, as people are listening to this and praised John Runyon for his consistency this season. Mm -hmm. Um, and I personally feel like John Runyon, uh, along with Josh Myers on a down to down basis are very inconsistent. And I don't know what I'm going to get on any given play. Um, I really like John Runyon, uh, just as a mm -hmm. full disclosure. I think he's a good football player. I thought he played better last year than he did this year. Um, I will certainly lean on Aaron Rodgers, uh, who plays right behind the guy on every single down. Uh, but I'm just curious your thoughts on where you come out on John Runyon and uh, if he has been consistent or inconsistent this season. I think he's been a consistent player. Um, I I just don't know that he's like he's leveled up from last year. I think your expectation is he's going to level up every year. I don't know that he has. One thing that stands out, we actually did a, a deal on him, I think, last week on our show. Um, John does a really good job of kind of the little basic things in football that go unnoticed. So John does a really good job of, like, picking up a slanting lineman. Or John does a really good job of, of making sure that he gets off in the linebacker so he doesn't hit the hole. 
Um, John does a really good job of, of, of sealing off a double team better than the rest of the guys on, on the offensive line for the Packers. Like John does that stuff really well. So he's really, he plays under control. He plays with, with good balance. I think the problem with John is once he tries to overextend, there's no problem with John, but when John gets in trouble, he tries to overextend himself sometimes because he's not that, he doesn't play with natural power. So to generate that power, sometimes I think he gets a little bit ahead of himself and, and that's when he gets in some, some sticky situations, but he has good footwork. He's a very, very smart player. Um, I think that he, I, to be honest with you, I think he is, he has been, you know, fairly consistent this year. I think there's an, you know, when your center's not playing very well consistently, I think that affects you when you rotate tackles all the time and, you know, all those things as far as like having to deal with different run inserts. And I think that all that affects you. It, it, what's been obvious this year, just overall is that the line, um, the communication on the line isn't what maybe the expectations were. I think at the beginning of the season when you had everybody healthy. So I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I would expect a better year next year from John, uh, maybe a more powerful player. You need to work on in the off season, but he, he, I, I would say this, his football intelligence is, is really, really high as, as you would expect from his father. I think a couple things, first of all, huge credit to him from going from left guard to right guard mid season, making that transition and playing well through that. And as you mentioned, some of the challenges, like, you know, Josh Myers has been inconsistent and then you've got players rotating at right tackle. Like, I, I just think he's handled that situation very well. Um, the other thing I'll say is I, th I think one of the reasons maybe I'm, I'm harder on Runyon is I just, I see all the things that you're saying and it just like, I see a player who, in my opinion, has the potential to be a really high end guard. And I just kind of get left wanting a little bit more every week. And maybe it's some of the things that you're saying where he just kind of overextends himself, but I, I, there's no question to me. He's a good football player. I'm happy. He's a Packer. I think he's a, a one of their five best. I think he's a good starter. I just, I keep wanting just a little bit more from him. And like you said, maybe that'll come next year. Yeah. You know, you have a new line coach in there that has something to do with it as well. I think, I think Stenovich was one of the, one of the better guys in the league, but the other thing, listen, this is a really hard, Sometimes when you look at film and you're you're kind of you're grading out your guys, right? You have to remember that when Devontae Adams was on the team and John Running got beat inside, that Quentin Williams probably didn't hit Aaron Rodgers because he got rid of the ball and threw it to Devontae Adams. That's right. Fair. And so and so and so sometimes these guys will go, you know, go, oh well he got beat. Well, guys get beat a lot. You know, guys get beat a lot and, and the ball gets I mean, Aaron Rodgers got rid of the ball this this past game really fast. I mean, guys, the guys got beat this game too, just like every other game. But he's got the ball. He got most of the time. He got rid of the ball really fast, except for that first third down. Couple other questions for you. Uh, what did you think of Zach Tom this week? Uh, Zach, listen, I, I'm gonna tell you what. Elton Jenkins did him the biggest favor that he could have possibly done on the third play of the game. Uh, he got bull rush and he was beat. Like it was, it was what we're talking about. He was beat. He was crumpling. Yep. And Elton Jenkins launched Bradley Chubb. And just absolutely took out a rib cage. And Bradley got up and it was, you know, they're shoving and doing this whole thing. But for the rest of the game, Bradley Chubb did not try to come back inside. Okay. So that it's those kind of like Ellen Jenkins had the biggest impact on the game that you'll never talk about because of that right there. Because because Bradley Chubb is better than Zach Tom and he could yeah. he could bull rush him all day. But if he's not going to take that inside route, all of a sudden the game becomes a lot easier, right? Zach is um Zach's a developing player. And so what you see from Zach is he, oh, there was a second. There was a second and thirteen in the second quarter where he was uh, he was playing against Melvin Ingram. Uh, the B gap was taken up by ninety two and Elgin Jenkins. So Ingram really had a bull rusher and outside move, right? But he, there was no chip, no help, no nothing, and he had a really good pass set, like inside hand. He won, braced up, had to do a good job. 
the rest of the game, a lot of the stuff is like he's getting chips, he's getting helps, he's getting inside help, all this kind of these different things. You know, we're running play action, we're running quick pass. Um, he can block up 92 on their team pretty easily, but that guy's not much of a pass rusher. The thing that the thing that Zach's just got to get a lot better, he's very inconsistent with his pass set. Um, in the run game, it's kind of the same thing we're talking about. When you get overextended, we try to do too much. Like he just doesn't have that power yet. So it's like, how do you generate that force as you kind of get aggressive, overly aggressive? And then you he kind of he's down on the ground more than you'd probably like to see. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of reasons I love having you on, but the Elton Jenkins, like the observation, like the Elton Jenkins observation where uh player, you know, Chubb comes inside and Jenkins says, yeah, you're not going to do that all day. Um, that's, that's awesome. That's really cool stuff. And that's just stuff that I don't think even I am going to probably catch on a normal basis. So um, really, really awesome observation there. Um, speaking of observations, uh, who are just a, a player to good, bad, ugly, and different uh, that have been kind of catching your eye as of late, maybe last month or so for the Packers? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, well, I, I guess the easy answer would be, I, I, the easy answer would be Watson. Um, I honestly, this, this is going to sound stupid, but you know, for me, like this whole season, I've really enjoyed watching Robert Tunyon try to become a blocker. Like, I know that sounds, I know that sounds really ridiculous. And everyone's like, his, his, you know, his stats are down and this and that. And I'm like, I don't care. I, I love that a guy is trying to better himself. I, I actually, I actually see it game in and game out. I see the attention to detail. I see the enthusiasm. I see him throwing his body in there. And like, I really, I really appreciate that as a football player. I appreciate that. Like he, he's a, he's a guy on that team where I go, man, I got a lot of respect because you were doing things a certain way, a la Jimmy Graham. And now you're trying to be a real, like a real football player. And I, I appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah. A player who came in or, you know, played wide receiver in college and then transitions mm -hmm. to tight end is more of that move slot tight end to kind of begin with becomes more of a receiving tight end. And now is evolving his game. I'm sure playing next to Mercedes Lewis and seeing how Mercedes Lewis has evolved over his career probably doesn't hurt that either. Yeah. And let me just say this to AJ Dillon. I love AJ, man. Like I, and I just, it seems like the last two seasons, there's this lull at the beginning. Aaron Jones is hot. AJ is not nece necessarily running under it behind his pads. Like he, like he does later in the year, there was a play last on this goal line where he scored, but like didn't really run under his pads. You see it, but for the most part, man, you just love the leg drive. You love the attitude. I think he's just done a really good job over the last month or two of playing. He always he always kind of starts in my in, when Amon and I look at it, we kind of go, okay, he's kind of starting slow the last two seasons, but man, he really picks it up at the end. He's a real workhorse. I think him getting more carries is helping him a lot too. Um, just get in a little bit more of a rhythm. But December slash January, AJ Dillon seems to be a legitimate real thing. I think he gets stronger. Uh, defenses get weaker, especially as they're going against him play after play. Um, one of the things you noted as well uh, in your breakdown this week as we kind of transition into uh, Packers-Vikings this week is just how well the, the Vikings do in their play-action game. Delvin Cook, a key part of their offense, but that's going to suck players up and leave some space in the secondary for guys like Adam Thielen, Osborne, and, of course, Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. um, Kirk Cousins has been playing at a really high level this season, but what does that Vikings play-action do to opposing defenses, and how is Green Bay going to have to stop that this week? So the Vikings play action is interesting because a lot of a lot of play action is kind of designed to suck the linebackers in to get that middle of the field open. And yeah. what the Vikings do, they're like, dude, we've got speed everywhere. So if you look at their explosive plays off of under center play action pass, the first thing is they do a great job of of getting to like 20, 25 yard in cuts and out cuts. I mean, they're way downfield. And so they're using the play action really just as a timing engine, right? So that so they don't have to sit there and pat the ball. 
it helps with the pass rush, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it, but they're not really worried about the middle of the field. They're worried about way further down the field where they're pushing these DBs further and further back and creating that space. And the other thing is they're doing a great job of getting Hawkinson involved, tight end screens, little, little, little quick kind of release routes to him where everybody's pushed back now off of that play action because the linebackers see it and then just bail, try to get back to those spots. And now the tight ends are wide open underneath. So they're uh, just because of the way they're built, they're, they have speed at every level and they're built to take shots. Kirk Cousins, um, Kirk Cousins is like, he's like the weirdest guy to watch, right? Cause he just stands there like a statue, even if somebody's like about to clobber him and, but he'll, but he'll, he'll put the ball where it's supposed to be. So, you know, for the Green Bay Packers, one thing that you see on film that just keeps popping up, I think, with the Minnesota Vikings is I don't think that their pass protection is as good as um, as some people say it is. Is if certainly if you if you just keep pushing, whether it's the, either one of their tackles or their, especially their interior guys like Ed Ingram, like we should be abusing that guy if he's in the game. Um, play action under, or play action shotgun doesn't really matter. But if you just keep pressing. Kirk doesn't move. He literally is just going to stand where he's at. And if you hit him, you hit him. If he gets rid of the ball, he gets rid of the ball. So you can't try to reach out and grab. You just got to keep pressing, dump guys in his lap. When that happens, they kind of go downhill real fast. When it doesn't happen, Justin Jefferson is playing on a different level right now. And, Andy, I don't know if, like, what what your opinion is on, you know, Zay Alexander, or Jay Alexander trying to, like, shadow him all game, trying to play press man, Rasul playing press man, two guys high, like, Press man is not – we don't have anybody on this team that's going to press against that guy. I'm just, there's no way because you're going to trail. And if you're trailing a guy like Justin Jefferson, meaning meaning that you're literally trying to run behind him because he is going to beat you off the line of scrimmage. You're running behind him and he's got a two-way go and the quarterback knows where the ball is, forget it. It's, it's not happening. I don't know that there is a defense that, like, you can run against Justin Jefferson. And, I mean, you could, you know, try to double him, I guess. I, I don't even know. Like, maybe jam him at the line of scrimmage with a linebacker and then have a corner pick him up after. Like, I mean, I, the nice thing, and I, they're, to, they're totally different receivers, but you had to just go against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle last week. And, again, different receivers, but at least you had some experience with just going against, you know, s- some top-end wide receivers a week ago. Maybe that can carry over. They On the interception, uh, the one that – the first one where Tua overthrew, they jammed uh, Tyreek with Quay at the line. And then uh, they just think kind of got the rhythm off. Just a bad throw by Tua ultimately. But um, – <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe there's some things. <laughs> if they can concuss, you know, Kirk Cousins early and, you know, yeah. they, they don't recognize it, they keep him in the well, game. Well, the speed, right? It's this, like, the speed of the game. Because what you see in the first half of the, in the Dolphins game is you can't, you can't prepare for that speed. Yeah. You don't have anybody on your team that can mimic that speed. It's like we, AG and I were joking. You remember Keith McKenzie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. Okay, so Keith, McK- Keith McKenzie was a great player, right? But he wasn't John Randall. But we would put a 93 jersey on him when we had to play Minnesota, and all of a sudden he'd be doing these, like, spins and chocolate. And you just go, man, this guy's – why don't you do this all the time? You're ridiculous, right? And then you get into the game, like, oh, okay, that wasn't quite the same. Like, John's still a different – you still got to get used to the speed of John Randall. So it's the same thing. You really can't prep. So just having Waddle and Hill this week and understand what that speed looks like when they try to cross the field, um, I think that's helpful. The thing that killed us last time, obviously, was all those crossing routes and – we still are doing a terrible job communicating things. So even schematically, when you look at like when you look at Waddle's touchdown, like when Jay Alexander like tries to pass that off to Amos, like Amos is gonna drive on, on Jalen Waddle across the field from 20 yards away. Are you serious? So I don't even like for me when I look at it, it's not it's not a personnel thing because it's not a fair matchup for anybody if you're gonna give a fast guy a 20 yard start or a 10 yard start on, on your on your defense. 
what I don't understand schematically is like in that situation, for example, why is why is Alexander trying to even pass that off to a guy that is supposed to drive on a crossing route with the, one of the you know three fastest dudes on the entire planet? Like, what do we? That doesn't make any rational sense. And so that's where I think if if you're if you're a Packers fan, you go, okay, what do we what do we do? We probably have the personnel to match up here if we're smart here, but are we going to make some smart decisions? Yeah, if you're the, the good news is that they just faced Hill and Waddle last week. The bad news is that Miami put some stuff on tape on how those two wide receivers can attack the safeties on this defense, uh, get open, get space. And I'm sure Minnesota took note of that as well. So Green Bay is going to have to clean up what they did against the Vikings in week one and clean up some of the things that they just put on tape against Miami a week ago. Clearly, that's going to be one of the big battles that probably decides this game. Uh, what else do you think Green Bay needs to do to ultimately pick this win up and keep their playoff hopes alive? Uh, the only thing, I, other thing I'd want to mention on defense is I think, like I've talked about it before, Preston Smith had another really good game yeah, last really week. Great. And he's just playing. He, he doesn't have stats, so he's not going to get all, you know, he doesn't get the votes for Pro Bowl, blah, blah, blah. But, man, he's playing so well. Um, Christian Derisau has been a really good player for them. Um, but I would, you know, he's getting beat the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think they're, I think they're, they're capped in the right tackle. I think we can beat him as well. So I would just, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm always looking forward to that matchup Preston versus either of those guys. And then offensively, man, uh, you know, last, last time the pass rushers killed us, we're gonna have to do a really good job. We have, now we have Zach Tom and, and, and Yashivi's back or, or is it, is it going to be Newman? I mean, who- plays. And we'll see if Bakhtiari plays. We'll see if Yash plays. Both of them have been practicing in a limited capacity. So there's a possibility it could be Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Nyman this week. Um, if not, Tom will take probably one of their spots if one of them can't go. Yeah, that would be really nice. Um, interior, Harrison Phillips killed us last last time in the run game. So uh, we we just have to give those guys credit. There's some, there's some opportunities with their team. I think they're giving up maybe the most yards allowed passing in the league right now. They're not very good. They, they've they get beat on double moves. They get beat on a lot of communication stuff. You can stack four, four to a side and they don't bring enough people over. I mean, there's opportunities all over the field to, to throw, but you have to be able to get that ball off. And Daniil Hunter and, and Z, Z's always got something to prove when he's playing the Packers. So just, you know, it's like we're talking about we're talking about Tunyon doing a three-dart check down, but it's like, yeah, someone's going to have to chip if you got those young guys out there playing tackle. You're going to have some problems. Do you remember who the starting offensive line was week one against the Vikings? Uh, no, I don't. Yash Nyman, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman. That was yeah, your starting tough. five week one. So if they can uh, replace Royce Newman and uh, Jake Hansen with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, um, that would probably certainly make a, a decent amount of difference in this game. Um, but that, I think, uh, does it for most of us today. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Mike? No, I think this is going to be a great game. I think the Packers are favored in this game, and, and yeah. I tend to I tend to agree with that sentiment. You know, um, I think this has a little bit of momentum right now. I know that they've like the situations under which they've won the last couple of weeks can be debated, but you, a win's a win. Uh, three in a row is a big deal. Minnesota obviously had that big game two weeks ago. They just don't look um, their play doesn't look sustainable right now. So I, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I agree. And Minnesota doesn't have a ton to play for other than trying to eliminate Green Bay from the postseason, which I'm sure is something that they'd be interested in, but um, they don't have a ton else to gain from this game. So the Packers clearly do. The Vikings do not. And maybe that can be the difference as well. Mike, phenomenal stuff as always. Where can we find your work and where can we follow you on social media? Yeah, check out uh, check out the On My Block podcast. We do that every week with mine. We do uh, a Monday and a Thursday show. So we're doing the preview here right after right after I get off with you. 
Um, I do a block party thing. We broke down the Panthers offensive line when they blew up for like 320 yards versus uh, versus the Lions last week. I'm telling you, Andy, I don't know if you checked that out, but that 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 was a fun assignment because those guys from a schematic standpoint, just an attitude standpoint, you talk about some of the things you want to see on film from your guys like attitude wise. Elgin Jenkins showed it last week. The, across the board, those guys are just playing. James Campen's got them playing at a really, really high level. So you can check that out on the uh, Process to Perform channel on, on YouTube. And then, of course, check me out, LikeWall68, on uh, on Twitter and the Process to Perform on Instagram. Andy, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, just really quick, based on I'm really interested to see what happens with the Panthers the remainder of the season and then what they do at head coach and quarterback moving forward if they do finish the season strong and make, you know, they, they could get in the postseason yeah. still. That's a really interesting team to kind of keep an eye on for the remainder of this year. But Steve Wilkes has done a great job. I, you know what? I, I'll say right now, Derek, let's go Derek Carr to the Panthers if they're going to play that game because because that's the kind of offense, that's the kind of offensive line. that I mean, they're – they're just on the ascent right now. You can just see the way they're putting the pieces together, the kind of identity they want to have. It's a perfect kind of situation for a guy like that. They have a Brian Burns in that defense, man. And I know they got rid of Hassan Reddick, but that is Shaq Thompson. Those guys are ballers. They have just flat out ballers. JC Horner, who just got hurt, they are ballers on that team. And they have they have the right culture on the defensive side of the football to dominate. And it's just a question of putting the right guy at the head of the offense in order to be successful. We could, we could like keep going for like another like seven hours just back and forth. How do you get rid of Hassan Reddick? Like when you've got Burns and Hassan Reddick, like it just because mm. you just need draft capital. Uh, you know, it's crazy, right? Because I think Hassan Reddick, I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl or not, but like he had another great year. He's a great player. I love watching him. Um, Brian Burns of the two, I would keep Brian. Of course, and obviously, yeah. they, they, uh, Brian in the middle, like they, they're just. They're good everywhere on that team right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. on, on defense, they're just. I, it reminds me of when I went there. I went there because I, I, my eyes got big. I went, oh, Chris Jenkins, Mike Rucker, Brenton Buckner, Julius Peppers, Dan Morgan, Mike Minner, Will Witherspoon. Like, oh my, we have players everywhere. We can look what we can do with a great defense, you know. So you just get there and you go, if we have that powerful of defense, Falcons are kind of what they are right now. It's just, man, just get an offense and people have done a great job of just get maybe a maybe not Ben McAdoo at, at, at that position an offensive coordinator. Maybe get a guy a little more dynamic and then you bring in a, a quarterback that knows going to be your guy for the next five years. That is a dream job right now for any player who wanted to come in and be successful. I could not agree more. I'm going to cut us off before we talk for another four hours, Mike. Mike, phenomenal stuff. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. But until next time, and as always, go Paco. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.